0: Hello again. I was just here a little bit ago. Wasn't that phenomenal worship? Just an opportunity to worship God. I really want to continue to worship God as we just, would you just pray with me? Father, we just come, we remain really into your presence. We come now in in prayer and we say thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. Thank you that you sit on a throne high and lifted up and we get to worship you. Lord, more than that, because of the work your son has done, we get to have a relationship with you. We get to come into your presence. We thank you for that. Lord, we, we just sung about we want to believe because you can work a miracle. And Lord, I ask that you might do that today, this morning, in lives. There are some who need a touch from you who need a miracle. And Lord, we know by faith, we trust in you to make that happen. To make that a reality. And we ask that you would give us eyes to see you this morning and faith to, to respond to you. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We are going to continue in our, our series Nearsighted. Uh, I know that uh, hopefully you know we started that last week. You know, as Joe said, I think last week we mentioned, we, we, we decided to do this several months ago. And so, When we do that, sort of, and you're gonna be preaching, everything you see, you kind of start relating back to this series. So that happened to me a couple weekends ago. Grace and I were at a, uh, we were actually at an air show in in Cleveland, and uh, go Browns, not at all really, not at all. So, but we were in Cleveland, and there were people with Steeler shirts on, which was nice, but we left this air show. A couple, several thousand people leaving this small little airport. And uh, several of us, and we were, we were among them, this, we were walking out of the airport. And, and so we're on a sidewalk, like three or four people deep. And really, as far as you could see, there were people. And, and a couple of rows of people in front of me, there was a young man, and he had his cell phone. And he had it like this. He was looking at it like this, and he was walking. And that's what he was doing, and he's walking. I know the camera people love this. And he's walking. And so what do you think happened when he came to a curb? I mean, he, he, well, he didn't fall, and he never took his eyes off his phone. That's what happened. <laughs> it was amazing. And then the next curb we came to wasn't a curb like this, but like a ramp, and he sort of he just kept looking at his phone, and it was way up high. It wasn't down here, and I just thought, man, yeah, that's, that's nearsighted. Now, what I, what I wanted to do is I didn't know whether to say, hey, here comes a curb or to go up and say, hey, be careful, or really just go up and say, this is for your own good, and take his phone and throw it over a fence (laughs) so that he would watch where he was going. But it reminded me of how nearsighted we can be, and it reminded me, really, then last week, Joe gave this definition of life nearsightedness. Life nearsightedness is a human condition in which you can see circumstances near to you clearly, but outcomes further away are blurry. And you will remember as well last week that we discovered that Joseph and I have to be careful here. Joseph, not Joe. Okay? Joseph had a very dysfunctional family. Not Joe, Joseph, our main character. He really did. His father had 12 sons, but Joseph was his clear favorite. And to make matters worse, really Jacob, he he makes this ornate robe and he gives it to Joseph to show that, you know, he's his favorite. He is special. And then to make matters even worse, Joseph, as Joe said last week, has these dreams, and he shares them with his brothers, and I want to just read those dreams again briefly, so we're reminded of them this morning. Starting in Genesis 37, uh, verse 5, this is what it says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to his brothers, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us because they were all older than he was? And they hated him all the more. Second time in four verses, it says that. I think scripture's trying to send us a message. They hated him. And then verse nine says, then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this, this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Clear indication that it would be his father and his mom or his stepmom and his, all his brothers bowing down to him. So we can clearly see, since they hated him all the more is in there twice, the relationship between Joseph and his brothers was bad. Really bad. How bad, do you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked, because we're going to discover how bad this morning. I mean, we're going to see how bad it really is. Let me just set the scene for a moment, and then we're going to read several verses, uh, really much of the passage from Genesis 37. The Scripture tells us that Joseph's brothers, not Joseph, probably his ten older brothers, are out tending their flocks a long, long way away. And Jacob, his father, decides he's going to send Joseph. And Scripture says... He's going to send him to see if all is well with them, the brothers and the flocks. And so Joseph makes this long journey. Many commentators uh, and archaeologists think it was more than 60 miles. So that's a long, long journey. And he's then about to come upon his brothers. And this is where I want to read, starting in verse 18 of Genesis 37. It says this, But they saw him, Joseph, in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Uh, Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured them. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You can just feel the sarcasm and the hatred in their words. They hated him and they wanted rid of him. I I want to mention real quickly that The the cisterns are really wells uh, that are just made, kind of hewn out of rock. They're made to hold water, rainwater, and underground water as well when it's available. Let's continue the story. When Reuben heard this, Reuben was the oldest brother, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness. Don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brother's, They stripped him of his robe. Man, they hated that robe. The ornate robe he was wearing. And they took him and they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben, who clearly wasn't there when this conversation took place, returned to the cistern, he saw that Joseph was not there. He tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? And then it says they got that robe of Joseph's. They slaughtered a goat, and they dipped the robe in the blood. We're going to continue the story in just a minute. I, I just want to point something out to you. A decision made in haste often leads to a bad decision. They saw Joseph coming, and they're going to take action. I mean, they're going to kill him. That was what they first thought. Then they decide, no, let's not do that. Let's just put him in this well. No, let's not do that. Let's sell him. It's clear they didn't have a a real plan because the plan changed about four times in just a couple of verses. But they didn't really care. They didn't think through how it was gonna end and they didn't care because they just wanted him gone because they hated him. But if you're about to make a decision in a hurry, here's some advice. Write this down. Don't. (laughs) Don't. Don't do it because often... When we make those decisions, they're nearsighted decisions. They don't take into account what might happen down the road, and there may be consequences because of that decision. Instead, stop and pray. Ponder, think about, where's this gonna lead? So often if we do that, it'll lead to us making a better decision. But that is clearly not what the brothers did in this case. So they, they end up in this situation where again, Reuben tries to save him, but it doesn't work out because while he's gone, they make another decision. And so in the end of the story, in this part of the story, yeah, Joseph's gone. They sold him. They'll never see him again. That's their plan, and they're happy with it. But then the story continues in verse 32. It says, they took the ornate robe to their, back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. I'll pause there for just a moment and say that, that tearing of clothes and putting on sackcloth is really the, the normal way that people mourn during that time period. You're, you're tearing your clothes. You're just saying really that there, there's just... just incredible uh, pain, and, and you're saddened by this. You're, you're really, in a sense, you're being torn apart. You tear your clothes. And then sackcloth is a, is a rough clothing made out of goat's hair, and it was very uncomfortable. And so you, you put that on, and then you mourned. That was, the, that was the ritual. It's kind of like when we often go to a funeral, we'll, we, we, will, we will wear black or dark clothing. It was a symbol that he was mourning. Then it says all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. And then the very last verse of the chapter says, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. There's really two things that I want us to, to discover this morning, two truths we can apply to our lives from this tragic story Right, this story of brother against brother hating one another so badly that they sold him as a slave. And then they deceive their father and they make him believe, they allow him to believe that their son, his son is dead. And, and really, they, they, they think he is as good as dead. Jacob mourning for his son and then Joseph finding himself a slave. It's a tragic story, but we can learn important truths for our lives from the story. We're gonna see one of those truths as we look at the brothers, and one of those truths as we look at Joseph. Really, these stories now are sort of gonna run in parallel uh, for a little while. Joe mentioned last week how a nearsighted decision can often lead to far off circumstances or consequences. And in the case of the brothers, this nearsighted decision, again, led them to deceive their father, and then they had to live with a secret. They had to live with this sin for decades. Decades. And here's the truth that we can discover as we look at the brothers and as we, as we flesh out a little bit more of their story. Keeping secrets often leads to a life of looking over our shoulder, a life of fear. I, I believe that's in your sermon notes. If you didn't get those, they're on tables uh, around here. But keeping secrets often leads to a life of looking over our shoulder. Are you keeping a secret this morning? Are you keeping a secret? You see, the weight of keeping a secret grows heavier as time goes on. The longer that secret is kept, the harder it is, the heavier it is. Perhaps you're keeping a secret from your past or perhaps from something right now you're currently doing or involved with. Sometimes we keep secrets because, you know, we're afraid of the consequences. We don't know what will happen. We don't know the price that we'll have to pay. We don't know the impact that it will have. Sometimes we, we decide to keep a secret because we don't want others to look at us differently. We don't want them to be disappointed in us or angry toward us. But so often keeping a secret keeps us living in fear. Fear that the truth will come out and that there will be circumstances to pay. That's the situation that Joseph's brothers found themselves in, again, for more than 20 years. And we know that because when we get to the near the end of Joseph's story, more than 20 years into the future from the story we're talking about now, this is what it says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, so Jacob dies, again, 20-plus years in the future, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him. They lived in that fear, more than two decades later, they're still living in that fear. Can you imagine what that must have been like? What I know is that at least statistically speaking, some of you don't have to imagine, you know what it's like to live with that fear because you're doing it right now. Have you done something? Or are you currently doing something that no one else knows? If that's your case, I have bad news, but I also have good news. The bad news is I can't tell you what consequences you might face. The truth is you really don't know for sure either. So often we think of the worst case scenario and the consequences may be severe. It may cost you a job or even a career. It may may cost you a relationship. It may be difficult for your family. Those are consequences that may happen if your secret becomes known. If either because you choose to make it known or because it becomes known in some other way. But you might also find freedom that you never thought you could experience. You might find joy that you never thought possible if your secret is known and you decide to share that. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. This morning, we'll give you an opportunity. Talk to someone. Talk to a pastor. Later this week, talk to a counselor. Find a safe person, someone you can talk with, that you can share your secret with, and even more important, allow them to help you devise a a plan of an appropriate way to share with the appropriate people, if anyone, your secret so that you can find freedom. But the bad news is there are consequences that you may have to pay. So what about the good news? I hope that some of you have guessed it already. There is someone who knows. God knows. Whether your secret is from decades ago or last night, God already knows your secret. And the very first step, really, the very first step you need to take is to go to him. If your secret involves sin, and the truth is, it often does, that's why it's a secret. The first thing to do is to go to God because that sin is is interrupting, really. It is impacting your relationship with God because God hates sin. That's what Scripture tells us. He's angry at sin, and that's true because he's perfect. He's righteous. He's he's 100% just, and he can't pretend that, that sin just doesn't exist. But 1 John 1, 9 Says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's possible because Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sin and for my sin. He paid your penalty, He paid my penalty. And so, because of that, we can go to Him and we can ask forgiveness and we can receive forgiveness and make that relationship between us and God right again. That's good news. It's also good news that God loves you desperately, and he wants you to be free from your guilt. He wants your relationship to be right. I I need just to, to throw out a word of caution and say, that is true, but the bad news still remains true. We're not sure, we don't know, you don't know what consequences you might face. Because we may have done something, let's say we stole money. We can ask forgiveness and God will forgive us, absolutely, but we may still have to pay back that money. We may still have to go to to jail because of the crime that we committed. We don't know the consequences. I can't tell you what consequences you will face, but I can tell you that you can be forgiven and your relationship with God can be right because of what Jesus did on the cross. And unless we find forgiveness like Joseph's brothers, our past actions will have us living in fear. That's the truth. One last word about secrets. You may be here this morning and you have a secret, but it has nothing to do with sin. It has nothing to do with anything you've done, but rather something that was done to you. Listen, we don't don't like to talk about these things because it's uncomfortable, but we know behind closed doors, bad things happen. And often when they happen, families remain silent, friends remain silent, or turn away. And so here's what I want you to hear this morning from, from the Lord, not from me, but also from, from us here at Community Alliance Church. If something happened to you, if you were abused by someone, a, a, a family member, a spouse, a parent, a friend, or someone else, anyone else, that is not your fault. God does not hold their sin against you. You are not accountable for that sin. God loves you. And he desires for you to find freedom. Freedom from the pain, the inability to trust someone, from the guilt, from the shame that you might be feeling. And we want you to experience that as well. We want you to take a step and it's such a difficult step. I've talked to a few folks that have been through this and we're just gonna pray. I've been praying this week that God would give you strength to trust someone enough to talk to a pastor or a counselor so that you can begin the journey to freedom. And here's what I want you to know. If, If you'd rather a pastor here not know your story, but you wanna talk to a counselor, all you need to do and you'll have an opportunity afterwards is come up to a pastor and say, hey, could you connect me with a counselor? And we'll do that. That happens all the time to us. We're thrilled to connect people with counselors who love Jesus and who give biblical counseling. We'd love to do that for you as well. We wanna see you set free. And so does the Lord, desperately, he loves you. I know, heavy topic, hard to talk about, but it's important because we don't want you God doesn't want us to live with secrets. And that's what we learn. That's what God brought to my attention as I read the story of his brothers. 20 plus years living in fear of what might happen next. Now I want to turn our attention to Joseph. Here's the last verse of the chapter The Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar. Remember how the chapter started? Joseph has these dreams. His sheaf is standing up, and his brothers are bowing down to him. The sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to him. And now, a short period of time later, he finds himself sold twice in a short period of time. In a, and he is a slave in a land far away and very strange and very different. So here's the question What do you think Joseph was thinking? What do you think he was thinking? Do you think that he was thinking, you know, I had these dreams. Man, this is gonna be awesome. I can't wait to see what God does to bring about those dreams. I am so excited to be on this journey. This is fantastic. I can't wait to tell the story about how God took all this and, and made those things come true. You think that's what he was thinking? Okay, maybe, but I doubt it. And here's the reason I doubt it. Because the truth is, it is easy for us to forget God's far-off promises when the circumstances of our life become hard, difficult, painful, and then we become nearsighted by focusing on them. It's very easy to do that. So here's what I can say for sure. I don't know about Joseph, because scripture doesn't tell us, and I don't know about you, but I know about me. When difficult things, difficult circumstances come into my life, it's very easy for, for me to become nearsighted and to focus on those problems and really to begin to focus on myself. That's happened to me several times in my life. The most poignant case was 13 years ago when I began to struggle with seizures, and many of you have heard this story. It was a difficult time. Couldn't drive for 10 and a half months. The truth is, I just felt lousy most of the time for more than two years. I didn't know if the next day I would be able to function physically or mentally. And so I I began to focus on my disappointment it was hard. I, I began to wonder if, if I could just make it to work the next day. And so really, day after day, that became the, the struggle was to go to work and it, and it was an amazing environment. You all and the, and the staff was so supportive, but just trying to get through the day and do my best and then come home and have a little bit left for my family. And the truth is I didn't have much left. And so I became more focused on those problems, more focused on that disappointment and pain to the point where really I was just self-absorbed and and, and I I lost sight of all the good in my life and all the good in God's promises because like that that young man walking, all I could see was what was right here and I lost sight of everything else. I couldn't see beyond myself. I couldn't see beyond those difficult things and so I became frustrated and self-absorbed and eventually I lost hope and I lost my confidence in God. And I don't know if you figured this out yet, but I was a pastor at the time. That's a hard place to be. But I have good news. My story doesn't end there, and yours doesn't have to either. But here's what I discovered. The more that we are nearsighted, and the longer we stay nearsighted, the harder it is to lift our eyes up the harder it is. Because we begin to believe, we become so convinced that all we see with our eyes, and that's precious little when we're focused right here, is all there is. Let me say that again. As we remain nearsighted for a long period of time, we begin to believe that all we see is all there is, and that is not the truth. But we become convinced of it, at least I did we can become convinced, for example, that that's never going to change. And so in my case, I, became, I, I really began to believe that I would have uncontrollable seizures for the rest of my life. It's not true, but I believed it. And I don't know what you might be believing this morning. Maybe you are saying to yourself, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to have a child because look at the circumstances. I'll never be able to find someone who can love me for just just who I am. Maybe this morning you're you're saying to yourself, you know, I'll I'll never, I'll just never be free from this addiction, or I'll never recover financially, or you know, my marriage is just it's never going to be what I want it to be. I guess I'm just gonna just gonna go through the motions. And maybe that's true about your spiritual life. You think you know, this, I guess, I guess it's just always going to be like this. And, and I guess this is as good as it gets. Even though I've, I've heard stories of others and I see what happens in Scripture, you know, I guess that's, yeah, that's not true for me. Or maybe because something's happened to you, you, you believe you'll never be able to trust again. Or you just believe I'm gonna have this physical pain and this emotional pain forever. Or you can begin to believe I'll never be able to live without that person in my life. There's lots of things we can become convinced of when we're focused on our problems. And it is in those moments of intense nearsightedness that we need a new lens. We need a lens in order to see God's far off promises rather than our nearsighted circumstances. And that's the lens of faith, faith. Man, we sung about it like crazy this morning. Now we need to exercise it, perhaps, in your life. Faith, it's not that we have to work harder, right? We don't have to decide, well, tomorrow I'm gonna be different. It's choosing to use that lens of faith to enable us to shift our focus from what what is up close to God's far off promises. And 2 Corinthians, it really shouldn't surprise us because 2 Corinthians 5 makes clear that we have to put on a new lens to see things completely differently when it says this, (laughs) we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith. So of course we need lenses of faith, a lens of faith to see. We live by faith, not by sight. And as we begin seeing through that lens, we can begin to believe God's far off promises. We can believe what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, for our light and momentary troubles, even though they don't seem that way, but they are light and momentary. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen Is eternal. Only by looking through the lens of faith is it possible to believe that our circumstances that are painful and real are also temporary. That's only by faith. Hebrews 11 says it succinctly again, this is in your sermon notes as well, because I wanted you to to see it. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. What we hope for, not what we experience right now, what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. And then so also in your sermon notes, I, I tried to use the same terms we're using in our series, right? The same vocabulary. This is what that verse might say if, if, if we use this vocabulary. Seeing through the lens of faith allows the far-off promises of God to come into focus so we can see them clearly and trust. All we hope for is true, even when our physical eyes are incapable of seeing it because of our circumstances. It takes faith to see those things. Are there circumstances in your life right now, right this moment, that have you looking right like this, like that young man, nearsighted? Does everything tell you God doesn't care? God has forgotten you? Or that simply maybe he's just unable to affect change in your life? Are you wondering this morning if God is who he says he is? Or if he exists at all? I want you to know, if you are there, I've been there. It's a hard place to be. It's a dark place to be. It's a lonely place to be. And it's a heavy and a hard place. If you can relate to any of those circumstances, or if that's how you are feeling this morning, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You can stay focused on your circumstances, your, your pain, your, yourself really, or or you can choose to believe by faith in God's far off promises. I wanna encourage you to make that choice, to ask God for a lens of faith that you might believe that his far off promises are just as real, are just as true as the circumstances that you're in, And, and believe that those circumstances are momentary and light. But because of the work Jesus did on the cross, your eternity is secure and glorious and certain. That's what faith does for us. We can never see that far off reality by sight, only by faith, by faith. Here's the thing, you can make that choice if you're a believer. If you're a believer, you can make that choice by faith to believe because you've already done that before in your life. You chose at some point, if you're a follower of Jesus, to believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross for you, for your sin, and for my sin. He paid your penalty. That's by faith that we believe. That's what Scripture says so clearly. It's by faith. And if we believe that by faith, we also believe that we can ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. We can then receive the Holy Spirit and we receive the promise of eternal life. We do all those things by faith. And so this morning, I'm asking you to make a choice to believe by faith that God's promises are true and the circumstances in which you find yourself are temporary. And I don't know about you this morning. I don't know where you are in that journey, in any of these journeys. If, you're, if you can relate to Joseph and say, man, the circumstances are hard. I don't know if I can make it through. Or if you can relate to his brothers. they kept a secret for more than 20 years what a huge consequence it was of their nearsighted decision. Or maybe you're here this morning and someone's done something to you and you've kept it a secret. I want to give you an opportunity to talk to the Lord about any of those things in your life for just a few moments. So if you would just close your eyes, bow your head. You know, I had the opportunity and the privilege to do that this week so I want to give you the opportunity to do it. Wherever you're sitting just take a moment and and I want to I want to just just say to you if you're here this morning and and you have a secret I want to just encourage you to go to God and pray if you're watching online and you have that secret go to God tell him all about it he already knows but then ask forgiveness God hates that sin but he loves you and then I want to encourage you as well to find a way to take a step to tell a trusted person so that they can help you know how to be free from this secret. If you're here this morning and something has happened to you, something, someone did something to you, I'm sorry that that happened to you. God knows your pain perhaps your shame. I, I just want to encourage you to go and talk to him about that. Share that with him because again, he already knows. And then I, I would ask you to ask him for strength to find a trusted person. Maybe even that he would bring that trusted person to your mind. Pray and ask him to do that so that you might find freedom. If you're here this morning and your circumstances are just, it's all you can see. It's all you can see that, because they're just so difficult beyond anything maybe that anyone else in this place has experienced. I want to encourage you to go to God as well and and, and talk to him about that. Express your, your pain, maybe your disappointment in him. He already knows. I just want to encourage you. Again, if you're watching online, do that. Go to God. And then ask him for Eyes of faith, a lens of faith, to see that His far-off promises are true. And perhaps you're here this morning, and, and this is the first time you, you've even heard that Jesus died on the cross for you. He paid your penalty. He paid your sin. If that's your case this morning, and you realize that, you recognize it, and, and you feel that God is convicting you to say, "I want to, I want to live a different life," then you can because of the work Christ did for you, you can ask forgiveness and receive forgiveness. Repent from the life you're living and say, I want to live differently. Just declare that to the Lord. Just just pray that silently. Lord, I believe you died for me, and, and would you forgive me? God's word says that if you do that, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you receive eternal life, and you are a new creature in Christ. Father, I come to you Lord, I come to you expectantly, but also with a heavy heart, because I've been where some of these folks are. Lord, it was almost 40 years ago that I first bowed down literally in my bedroom and said, would you forgive me? My life's a mess. I need your forgiveness. Would you, would you forgive me? Lord, my life's never been the same since that day. Thank you. Lord, I've been in that dark place more than once in my life, but you know where I was years ago. It was dark, and you gave me faith to lift my eyes and believe. Believe not just who you are, but who I am in you. To Believe your far-off promises and the ones that relate to me right now, today. Thank you for doing that. Would you do that for some this morning? Would you give them faith to believe? And they might see a miracle in their life. A change of focus that only you can bring. A change of belief that only you can bring. Holy Spirit, would you fill? Would you fill us now? Lord, would you give us faith? And then, Lord, you know that in my life, I've had secrets that I've had to come to you with and confess. Sin that interrupted our relationship, that broke it off, really. Oh, Lord, what, a, what an amazing truth that these dear folks like me can find forgiveness when we ask. Restoration in a relationship that is right again. Might you do that for some this morning. And then would you give them courage to talk to the right person about making that this, this secret known to those who need to know it so that they might find freedom. And then lastly, Lord, for those that have been injured, that have been wounded, that are victims, if that's your story this morning, I pray that you might just talk to God about it. He knows your pain. Lord, would you give them strength to talk to someone, to trust enough to tell their story. Lord, we ask all these things so that you might be honored, that you might be glorified, that you might transform lives for your glory. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. For those of you that didn't have those circumstances and don't in your life, thank you for just remaining silent and letting those that did work through some of that. If you're here this morning and and it would be helpful for you to talk to someone, I want you to know that I've asked some elders and and, and pastors to be here. We'd love to talk with you. If if you ask for forgiveness and God gave you freedom, we'd love to hear that. We'd love for you to come and tell us whether that's happened for the first time in your life or you've been struggling for a while and God gave you freedom, we'd love to hear it and pray with you and rejoice with you. If you need someone to talk to, a safe person, again, it can be a pastor or an elder, you can also, as I said, come and talk to a pastor and say, hey, could you arrange for me to see a counselor? We have male counselors, we have female counselors. They love Jesus. They follow scripture. We'd love for you to connect with them as well. And if this was maybe the first time, maybe you, you did recognize today, God died for you. He sent his son to die for you on the cross. I wanna encourage you to, to text this, this yes to Christ to this number so that we can really send you just a couple videos so that you know what that decision really means. It's a a decision that'll change your life, praise God. And also we'll send you some videos about next steps you can take. And speaking of next steps, come back next week to find out what happens to Joseph now that he's in Egypt and to find out the lessons that God wants to teach us as we continue in this series. Thank you so much for being here. Have a good morning.